Tonight we are continuing our journey through the sound of the three angels, the three angels' messages of Revelation 14. Tonight's lesson is lesson four, why so much suffering? If God is so good, why do we see evil and suffering in the world? And we're going to see how this ties in right with the three angels' messages. So before we do, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this evening. We are truly blessed to be able to gather here and blessed to be able to study the sacred scriptures. Lord, these holy words that you have given us so long ago to preserve our faith. Tonight we pray that you would open up the words of life to our understanding by your Holy Spirit. May you bless this time together and may we know you, Lord, as we study the Holy Bible. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight's lesson, lesson four, why so much suffering? So if you want to open up your Bibles to Revelation, we'll look at chapter 14, where the three angels' messages are pictured. And the question that comes to mind in this scene is, where is this great controversy or conflict between good and evil? Is it seen clearly pictured in the three angels of Revelation 14? And the answer is, Yes. When you look at these three angels in Revelation 14, you see different groups, don't you? You see this message from the first angel of the everlasting gospel going to all peoples of the world, calling them to fear God, to give glory to Him, to worship Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. They're called to worship the Creator. Then in the second angel, Babylon is exposed, the fallen system of end-time Babylon. They're exposed. The beast, his mark and his image are exposed in the third angel. And so people are called away from that, away from that system, not to receive those things. So what do we see right through the heart of these three angels' messages? We see the great conflict between good and evil. It's contained right here in these messages. And when you get to the end of the three angels, there are only two groups that are harvested from the earth. Only two. There's no middle group. It's one side or the other side. There's a line that's drawn. And God's word, God's truth draws that line and God calls for us to receive him through Jesus Christ in these three angels' messages. He calls us to make a decision. Worship the creator or worship the beast and the dragon and the false prophet. So God is giving us a call. Worship our creator and savior or worship these false systems of the devil. So these messages are God's messages of truth to prevent us from following Satan and following his deceptions. They actually present God's truth and uncover the deceptions of Satan so that we can make the right decisions. And in the end, whatever decision we make, we will be sealed following God in righteousness or following Satan in wickedness. Both harvests are ripe for the picking. When Jesus comes with his, uh, his sickle to harvest the earth, the grapes of wrath are ripe and the wheat harvest of the righteous believers is ripe. So uh, the three angels' messages are very much about decision and choosing this day whom we will serve, choosing which side of the conflict we will be on. Is it God or is it Satan? That is the ultimate question. And Revelation shows us that all of this comes to an end and one day everybody will stand 
before the great white throne of God. And so we want to make sure that we are walking with the Lord Jesus and we are on His side. Well, some of that material that I've just mentioned will also be content of future studies in this series. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up. We'll be going right through Revelation and Daniel and the prophecies, pretty much the whole theme as it is built around the three angels' messages of Revelation 14. So, this question of suffering and this conflict between good and evil, where does it come from? Where does it begin? Revelation chapter 12 tells us where it began. Verse 7 through 9 in Revelation 12. Could somebody please read that for us? And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the Bible presents this great controversy and... In case you're wondering, in a future lesson, we are going to be studying Revelation 12 in great detail, seeing how all of this is part of the three angels' messages. We'll be looking at this chapter in more detail, but tonight we just want to highlight this conflict that the Bible describes, that there was a war in a place you would never expect. There was a war in heaven between God and His angels and the devil and His angels. The Bible even says that the dragon swept a third of the stars of heaven with his tail. Those stars of heaven are referencing the angels. Sometimes stars of heaven represents God's righteous people, like the children of Abraham, like the stars of heaven. But in other instances, like we see here in Revelation, those stars are representing angels. When you look at the messages to the seven churches, you see the connection between the stars in his right hand and the angels of the churches. So uh, we see that in a number of places where stars are used. The devil, the dragon, he is called here. A lot of symbols that are used to describe him and names which reference his character. It says here he is the, the devil, he's a dragon, he's also that old serpent. Now where do we find the old serpent? Back in Genesis. So the Bible is telling us here about this great conflict where Satan got kicked out of heaven the Bible says he was kicked out of heaven and he, was, he came down to this earth. Now, he did not have power on this earth to do what he wanted. But his, his mode of operating, his MO, was to go and deceive humanity. He was thinking, if I can just get these first human beings, if I can just get them to bow to me and obey me instead of God, if I can get them to join my rebellion, then I'll have them and I'll have this planet. So you can see why the devil was trying so hard to get Adam and Eve in the beginning, because he wants them to join his rebellion. He wanted planet Earth on his side. He wanted to take control of this world and, and take allegiance of this world away from God to himself. So that was the devil's work through and through. And God actually warns us, he warns humanity about this foe that we are against. A lot of people today don't even believe in the devil's existence, although I think you should if you look at the world. Uh, it's, it's very clear the kinds of evil that are going on in the world and that there are actually spiritual powers and forces behind 
the evil that is going on. So let's notice verse 12 of Revelation 12. Who can read that one for us? Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, where the devil is come down to you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Okay. So the, the devil knows that he has just a short time. And there's a warning here. God says, Rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Obviously, the angels who remain in heaven are pure and holy. And the devil's not there, but the devil is here. And earth is a war zone. The devil is working hard. Now, thankfully, God hasn't left us alone. Jesus came into this world and lived a victorious life over Satan through the power of heaven, right? Through divine power. We need to, to connect with God and access the same divine power and trust God's word like Jesus did so we can overcome in the conflict. So we see that, that God has not left us alone. Jesus came into this world. He lived here. He was successful. He overcame. He, he conquered the grave even, right? He conquered death for us. So very, very powerful part of the great controversy, which is also described in this chapter in some of the following verses that were after verses 7 through 9. So we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That is also mentioned here in this passage. But the warning comes out to the inhabitants of the earth, to all of us, that the devil is here. And I'm also thankful that the Lord has sent his holy angels to protect us. God has sent his angels to be with us. And especially as we surrender to Jesus, we have power from the Lord against the enemy. Without Jesus and his power, we're in trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. We need that power and we have to rely on Christ. Uh, this is what the Bible presents to us. The disciples of Jesus had power over the enemy because they trusted in Jesus. And so God is way more powerful. When Jesus was here, he was casting out demons left and right. And they were, they were talking about him. And Jesus mentioned how he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We see that in Luke chapter 10. The devil fell like lightning from heaven. So Jesus explained exactly what we're looking at here in Revelation, that he was cast out of heaven for his rebellion that he started there. And very clearly, he actually took some of these angels with his tail. Now, that's a figurative dragon, obviously, um, but he has a bunch of lies and deceptions that he used to get these angels away from God. So he was dividing heaven. Great controversy. Only two sides to the great controversy. He was dividing heaven by his mischief that he was up to. And he wanted allegiance and worship towards himself and not allegiance and worship towards God. When the devil tempted Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, we see that the devil tried to get Jesus to bow down to him. He said, bow down and worship me and I'll give you everything, all the kingdoms of the earth. He tries to claim this world as his own. And it's not really his, but he has made it his home and he's troubled this world a lot through his evil, through his deceptions. So he wants worship. And in Revelation, it's about worship. Do you worship the creator God or do you worship the beast, the dragon, Satan? This is the question. Who do we worship? The devil wants our worship. God rightfully deserves our worship. And God is the ultimate one who has the last say. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. God has the final say. The devil is still... Uh, still limited very much in what he can do. You notice that if you ever read the book of Job, where Job was attacked by the devil. 
And God has an ultimate say in things. God says, all right, this far, but no farther. God has a protective wall that he puts around his people. We should pray that the Lord will keep that hedge of protection around us. Amen. That God will protect us from the evil one. Very, very important to have that. So let's go in this journey over to Isaiah 14. I actually have on my notes to visit Genesis 3. Maybe we could say something about that. Uh, but I wouldn't want to take very long. So uh, I, I mentioned Genesis 3. Why don't we just talk about Genesis 3 for a minute, but we can go to Isaiah 14. In Genesis 3, we have the fall of mankind, when mankind entered the rebellion. And you may recall that God told Adam and Eve they could not eat from the fruit of a certain tree in the garden. That tree was the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that tree was in the garden, and they were told, you can eat from all the trees of the garden, but not that one. And the devil comes along and says, hey, did God say you can't eat of this tree? And he twists the word of God. And then he says, well, God just doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to have, have godly characteristics and knowledge. So he's trying to keep you from it. So the devil always sugarcoats sin. And he tries to get us to disobey God's word, to disobey his commandments and his laws from the very start. He also told Adam and Eve something else in Genesis 3. He said, if you eat this fruit, you will be like who? God. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, you can be your own God. If you eat this, you'll be so smart, so wise. You'll be your own God, knowing good and evil. And that's what he wants to be, his own God. And his philosophy, Satan's philosophy, is for us to be God. That he is a God. He should be worshipped. And you are a God somehow, and then you can be worshipped. This is what Satan teaches, and it's all about fostering pride in human beings, fostering a love of self in human beings, fostering self-worship in human beings. And of course, then people start demanding, wow, I'm pretty amazing, so maybe people should worship. We start, we start thinking along the devil's lines. Unless we surrender to Christ and give our heart to Him, then we will automatically start following the devil and believing his lies because his lies are still in this world today. It wasn't just in the Garden of Eden with the tree right there. He is still here alive and well and he is deceiving humanity. He has all kinds of philosophies in the world and religions in the world where they teach that, oh, you're, you're a god. You can become a god. And, uh, you know, it's all about self-worship and getting in touch with your inner power and your inner self and and, you know, just in the secular world, people are like, well, I don't need God. I don't need church. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. I can, I can do it all myself. Well, who do you think you are? God? <laughs> Pretty much. Without even saying it, people think they're God. And that's the trouble, that we have bought in to Satan's lies, bought into his philosophy. And so it's a very, very dangerous world, a perilous world that we are living in, and these are very perilous times when you consider the time of the world we're living in. We're in the very last days. The Bible says the devil knows that he has a short time. And he is very, very motivated to destroy, to seek and destroy, to gather his army against the Lord. You know, the Bible says in Revelation, we've learned about this before when we studied Daniel 2, there's those ten kingdoms and the beasts and all these powers of the earth. They gather to make war against the Lamb, Jesus, when he comes and the Lamb overcomes them. So Jesus wins. That's the good news. Jesus wins. But you notice how the devil wants to... 
He wants to collect his numbers because he's, he's building his army against the Lord. He's trying to continue building his rebellion against the Lord. He wants his followers. Instead of leading people to follow Jesus, it's all about him. Well, let's go to Isaiah 14 and verse 12 through 15. So can somebody read us verses 12 and 13? Maybe he hasn't had a chance to read yet. Any volunteers? If you look at me, I'll call on you. I'm going to start pointing fingers. Yep, yep, yep. I'm not going to look up again. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountains. Mm-hmm. And why don't you go ahead with 14 as well? If you don't mind. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Thank you very much. So, in these verses, here in Isaiah 14, we see, we see the spirit of Satan. We see the person, the being of Satan described. And it's interesting that as you look at the prophets, they oftentimes will speak about different powers in the world. And then they'll start talking about the power behind it. For example, in Genesis, it spoke about the serpent. But it wasn't just the snake. It was the power who was working through the snake that was really, God was really getting at. And so when you talk about the serpent, you're actually talking about the devil who was working through the snake, through the serpent. And when you look at these other powers that the prophets described, for example, Babylon is mentioned here in the fall of Babylon. Well, he goes into the spiritual side of this darkness, the evil forces of Satan working through this system, through this power. And when we get to Ezekiel's prophecy tonight, after we look at Isaiah, then we're going to see exactly how the prophet described Satan's work through some other earthly kingdoms, but ultimately focuses in on the devil himself and what he's really up to. So here it says in these verses, verse 12 of Isaiah 14, How are you fallen from heaven? Now, your Bible didn't mention it, but the King James Bible uses the word Lucifer from Lux and Pharaoh, meaning light bearer, one who bears the light. He was supposed to be bearing the light of God's glory, shining, shining. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The glory goes to God for everything. The glory belongs to Him because we live and breathe because of Him, because of God. So this angel was supposed to glorify God, and yet he did not. Now, Interestingly, this is the only place in Scripture where you will find the name Lucifer. But if you ask anybody on the street, who's Lucifer? They'll tell you. They know who Lucifer is. They know. This is the only place you actually find it here in the Bible. Now, some versions don't actually explain that. Or don't, they don't say it. But you will find it. I think the New King James says it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and the King James says it. Yeah. Some of the other Bibles don't all have, they don't all translate it that way. They translate with different words. But Lucifer is, that's... The evil one right there. And so it says, Son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground who did weaken the nations? Who weakened the nations of the world? Satan. Who was it that got Adam and Eve to go into sin? The devil. 
It's Satan who has weakened the nations of the world. The Bible says, in the beginning we were made in the image of God, pure and holy, upright in character. And the devil came and deceived mankind and weakened the nations and brought us to where we face death today in the world. He brought suffering, he brought pain into the world, things that were not there before. You see, the earth was cursed because the devil brought sin into the world. And you ask, why do we suffer? Why all this pain? Why all this hurt? This is the devil, and this is the outworking of his kingdom. I mean, these are the principles of Satan's kingdom. These are the results of sin. It's not what God designed for us. It's what we chose and what we brought into the world because we listened to the serpent instead of listening to God. And the devil was trying to get people to disobey God's word. So the Bible mentions him being fallen from heaven. Jesus talked about that. Revelation 12 spoke about that. And it mentions him being cut down to the ground. It mentions how he weakened the nations. Verse 13 says, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Another reference to the stars of God, just like in Revelation 12. The stars that were swept by the tail of the dragon, Satan. Those stars are the angels. It's just being represented here by the symbol of stars. So you have these angels that the devil wants to put up his throne over the angels. He wanted the angels to worship him. He wanted to be the ruler or the monarch of heaven, is what the Bible is showing us here. So he wanted the place of God. It continues on saying, I will ascend into heaven, I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. In other words, the highest place in heaven, the highest place of worship in the sides of the north. And the directions, there's two directions in scripture that are connected with God, north and east. The Bible talks about Jesus coming like the lightning that shines from the east to the west. East is a direction of God and north is one of the directions associated with God in scripture. So here we have the size of the north, this highest place in heaven, the mount of the congregation. This is where the devil wanted to be. He wanted to ascend and have his throne where God's throne was sitting. Can you imagine if such a horrible creature were in control of the entire universe? We've seen enough heartache just on this planet, but if he had the whole universe, we'd be in great trouble. And so the Bible tells us what he was up to. And it even says in verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now the reference to the clouds is not rain clouds. The reference to the clouds is actually to the angels if you study it out in scripture. When you, yes, when you get into Daniel 7, for example, it talks about one like the Son of Man. He comes with the clouds of heaven to the Ancient of Days and he receives his kingdom. And then in Revelation, we see him coming with all the angels from heaven. Jesus says, I'll come in my glory and the Father's glory and with all the holy angels. They'll come with me. It says he's coming in the clouds of heaven. What we see in the vision that Daniel saw in chapter 7 is we see those heavenly clouds around him, that they follow him. All of these angels, can you imagine big, glowing, beautiful angels with their wings spread abroad and they're all uh, you know, moving together like a, like a hovering cloud around the Lord. Isn't that powerful when you think about it? And so he wanted, his, he wanted to be above the heights of the clouds, the highest place above the angels. He says, I will be like the Most High. He did not want to be like God in character. He wanted the position of God. 
He wanted the power of God. Sometimes we say, I want to be like Jesus. We're referring to the lovely character of Jesus. Um, but the devil didn't want the lovely character of Jesus. He just wanted the position. He wanted the power. He was power hungry. And he was very clearly all about himself. You notice what he said in his heart. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will sit upon the mount. I will be above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. It's all I, 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 me, me, me. The middle letter, this works well in English. I'm not sure about other languages, but the middle letter of the word pride is I. The middle letter of the word sin is I. Selfishness. He had an I problem. An I problem because it's all about me, me, me. I, I, I. Selfishness of Satan. Self-absorbed. You see, Christ was not about self. We're going to see that here as we study on further in Scripture. The devil wanted to exalt self. Jesus was not about that. Jesus was about righteousness. Jesus was about holy love. Jesus was about self-sacrifice and surrender. Now, what it says here is the devil said all these things in his heart. Before he ever preached it out loud, before he ever acted upon it, he was saying it in his heart, in his mind. So, does it matter what we think? Does it matter what thoughts are going on there in our brain? If we don't tell anybody else, but those thoughts are going there and we, just, we, in, we entertain those thoughts, if we let those thoughts control us and become us and shape us, that's dangerous, isn't it? If they're, if they're evil thoughts. And so he began saying in his heart, he was meditating evil in the mind. And because he had these in, this inward focus, this self-worship kind of orientation, too much looking in the mirror at himself, he had an inflated ego. Yes, very inflated. And so he thought he could just be God, even though he's a, he's a creature and not the Creator. Remember what Revelation says in the three angels' messages? Worship Him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters. Worship the Creator, not the creature. Not men, not the devil, not all of His things. Don't worship the creation, but worship the Creator. That's the call of Revelation 14's three angels. Worship the Creator. So you see how this is, wow, this is really important. These messages are very important because they're calling all people to worship the Creator who made us. Not these evil powers of Satan and men who have gone awry. Verse 15 says, Yet you will be brought down to, to hell to the sides of the pit. So the devil has his day coming. He's in for a lot of trouble. That's what the Bible says very clearly. Now let's turn over to Ezekiel chapter 28. The prophet Ezekiel chapter 28. He gives us more insight as to what was going on here with the, the fall of Lucifer. The Bible mentions in chapter 28 of Ezekiel, verse 11 and following, it says, The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, saying, verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, there was a prince of Tyre that was mentioned just before this. A very proud man. The cities of Tyre and Sidon were right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. If you were to be over in Jerusalem and then 
head straight to the, uh, I guess it would be the west, right? So head straight west out to the Mediterranean, then you would be pretty close to Tyre and Sidon. They're a little bit north and south, but if you head that way, then you'll be close to where Tyre and Sidon were. Now, these prophets in the Bible, they rebuked a lot of nations. Ezekiel was living around the time of Daniel. He was a little bit older than Daniel. And he you know, witnessed a lot of things and he prophesied a lot of things. But he was basically a contemporary of that time period. So Babylon was the big power. But he mentions these kingdoms because they were prideful. They were against the Lord. And he goes on not just to talk about the prince of Tyre, but to talk about the king of Tyre. And you see, the, again, the prophet is talking about the spiritual forces, the demonic forces that are working through this government power. You see, there's always a connection there. That Satan is working behind these powers to do something. He uses kingdoms and governments and persons who he can control according to his will. He uses a serpent who he can you know, mold for his favor and speak through that serpent. Whatever he can grab hold of, whoever he can grab hold of, he will use them to his advantage. Even Job's wife, he's, you know, he got her to say, curse God and die. Did the devil also get a hold of Peter sometimes? What did Jesus say to Peter at one point? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because he, he said something, he spoke something where he was trying to keep Christ from the cross. What he was saying was not of God, but of men, and it was ultimately of Satan. He was speaking words that were inspired by the dragon. So the devil tries to work through us if he can. That's why in the great controversy, it's very important that we seek God every day, that we surrender to God every day, that we pray, Lord, save me from this evil one. Lord, deliver me from the evil one. And God provides the power. He does. But we have to be willing and surrender our hearts to God. Surrender to God. This is vital every day. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the Word of God. So the Bible goes on to say that a lamentation was taken up by the prophet against this king of Tyre, and it clearly explains him with language which cannot be mistaken as to who this is. The Bible says that he was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, verse 12. Verse 13 says, You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. And he goes on to mention a bunch of uh, beautiful stones and gold. And he says, The workmanship of your tabrets, this is towards the end of verse 13, and of your pipes was prepared in you in the day that you were created. Now, when we have tabrets, that's kind of like timbrels, tambourine, musical instrument, musical ability. Have you ever heard that the devil has musical ability? Yeah, there's a scriptural basis for that, that he has musical ability. And it wasn't only the instruments, but it was voice. That he had a beautiful, a beautiful voice. He had vocal cords where he could sing. He could sing very melodiously. So he wasn't this hideous creature with a pitchfork somewhere who was going around and, and poking people and roasting them on fire. You know, like people think about the devil. And he's got some horns there and a tail, right? That's not how scripture pictures the devil at all. The Bible says he was a beautiful angel and he was very, very powerful in heaven, very, very well respected in heaven. And the Bible says that he was covered with beautiful uh, gemstones and he had these musical abilities. He was very, very persuasive, very powerful. And you ask, would God make the devil? God did not make a devil. We're going to see that here tonight. God made a beautiful and perfect angel. He made himself 
into a devil. By his own choices, he made himself into a devil. Because freedom of choice is very important in God's kingdom. And we will see that here tonight. Freedom of choice is very important. Because without that, you don't have the ability to love. You would just be a robot. You have to do exactly what you're told. You don't have a choice. But he had a choice. Because God wants creatures who can know him, creatures who can love him, creatures who can serve him with joy in their hearts. And it tells us here that he was in Eden, the garden of God. And this is some of the language where you start to see that he's not talking about the literal king of Tyre. He's talking about the spiritual being who was working behind that ruler of Tyre. Because he says you were in Eden, the garden of God. There were only four characters pictured in Eden. Four beings that were pictured there besides the animals and all those things. There was God. There was Adam and Eve. And then there was that serpent in the garden of Eden. And we see him there. But the language is even more clear as you keep reading. The Bible says in verse 14, You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. The holy mountain of God. Isaiah 14 mentioned the mount of the congregation, the place of assembly, the holy place where all these beings would gather to worship God, and he was there on the mount of God. He was walking up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. The Bible says that he was this beautiful angel, and it says that he was the anointed cherub. Now, the word cherub is very clearly a word that describes an angel. The Bible mentions seraphim in heaven with six wings. It mentions the living creatures, which also have six wings wings. There are some different characters that are very interesting in Revelation and Ezekiel and Isaiah, these heavenly beings. The Bible also mentions the 24 elders in heaven around God's throne, but it mentions cherubim and seraphim. And the Bible says here that he was the anointed cherub who covers. Now that language can be found elsewhere in scripture. One of the very clear places where it is found is when you start looking at the Hebrew sanctuary, which I have a, a drawing illustration up here of the Hebrew sanctuary. It's kind of an overview of it, somewhat covered. My apologies for that. It's okay. Um, it might be more trouble than it's worth, but I think you can see this part. You can see this part of the sanctuary. Okay, so in the most holy place of the sanctuary was the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that the lid to that Ark was the mercy seat. It was called the mercy seat. There's a reason it's called a seat, and it's a merciful seat, because God has a throne of mercy. The Bible says we come before the throne of God's mercy to find grace to help us in time of need, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And so we have this mercy seat. There was a lid that covered the, the box of the ark. The ark contained the Ten Commandments inside, God's righteous and holy law. Love for God and love for man are expressed on those commandments. And on the lid, on the mercy seat, the Bible says that God would come and dwell. The holy presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God would come and dwell between the cherubim. The Hebrew cherubim is plural of cherub. The, Hebrew, the cherubim. And so the cherubim, there were two of them. There was one on either side of that lid, and they had their wings outstretched towards the center, towards each other. They had their wings outstretched. 
and between the cherubim, between their wings that were stretched out covering the presence, was the glory of God, representing the throne of God, representing His throne of mercy and His righteousness and His holy commandments, which were the basis of His kingdom. All of this was pictured in that most holy place on the ark. These were covering cherubs. So when the Bible says he was the the covering cherub, the anointed cherub who covered, it tells us that he was right there in the presence of God the Most High. One of the most powerful angels in heaven right there at the throne of God. Quick question, what's the difference between cherubim and seraphim? That is a whole study in itself. (laughs) But one of the differences that we see clearly is the seraphim have six wings, the cherubim has two. I haven't seen any more on the cherubim they have. Yeah. That's one of the distinctions, but that would be a whole study to kind of look into the angels. There's a lot of... the wings have different purposes too. Yes. Yeah. Some well, In Isaiah's vision, Isaiah 6, those seraphim there, they had wings that they, they were flying with two of them. They covered their faces with two, and then they covered their feet with two out of reverence for God. They have great, great reverence for God. So... The size of all those wings, I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Different artists have pictured it in different ways, but um, powerful beings, powerful angels. So the Bible here describes the covering cherub. You are the anointed cherub who covers. This angel had extreme privileges, well-respected, one of the highest places you could be in heaven, right next to the throne of God. And he chose to defect. He chose to turn away from God. Somehow he, he thought, well, I should have even more. Now you think, if God knows the future, why would God put this angel over there next to him? Well, if you think about this, what is the best way to really get to know God and his character? It's to be close to him. Yeah. It's to be near to him. It's to be on the inside, you know, right there. He had many opportunities to know the love of God, to know what God's really, really about. And yet he chose to turn away from God and to misrepresent the character of God. In Genesis 3, when he was talking to Adam and Eve, he misrepresented the character of God. He says, look, God doesn't want you to be like Him. That's why He doesn't want you to eat it. He doesn't want you to be a God. He's saying God's selfish. God's just pulling something over you. He doesn't want you to know. And God was actually trying to protect him because He doesn't want us to have to suffer evil. He wants us to know good because everything was good, and God is good. He didn't want them to have to know about evil. The devil already knew about evil because he entertained evil and he embraced evil. And now he's trying to get Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To start experiencing evil. And and look what we've experienced. Death and suffering all over the place. Hardship. And so many terrible things in this world because of Satan's principles of knowing evil in our experience. The devil wanted us to taste of evil, to experience evil, and to join him in his rebellion. It's full wickedness all the way around. And so the Bible tells us that this covering cherub, he had that place there next to the throne of God. It says that you were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. God had appointed him there. Verse 15 says, you were perfect in the way sorry, in your ways, from the day that you were created, till iniquity was found in thee. 
Iniquity is the word for lawlessness. It's rendered as lawlessness. And this is a very, very important word. Because at the very end of time, the Bible says that Jesus, this is in Matthew 7, I think it's verse 21 through 23, somewhere right around there. Jesus says that there will be many people who come to him and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? And he says, I don't know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Iniquity. That word is rendered as a very clear word in, in English, lawlessness. If you go back and look at the Greek word that's used in the New Testament to describe that word iniquity, it's the word a-nomos. Nomos in Greek means law. If you put an alpha or an a before it, it means without. Without law. Lawlessness. The devil practices lawlessness and he preaches lawlessness and a lot of churches today are preaching lawlessness too. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. I'm sure you've seen it and heard it. So many churches now that, that don't think sin is a bad thing. Mm. They're embracing it. It, it is. You know, it says just come on into the church. God will work His wonders in you. But they don't realize that they got to get away from sin before God can work through people. The Bible says repent and believe the gospel. The word repent means turn away from. What are you turning away from when you repent? Sin. Sin is what we're turning away from. Lawlessness, iniquity, we're turning away from that. And so the Bible tells us that he began practicing iniquity in heaven. And then what did he introduce to Adam and Eve? He said, you don't have to keep God's law. No, God said, don't eat the tree, but no, you can eat it. You won't die. He says, you can live forever in sin, in sin. He says, you can disobey God all you want, live in lawlessness, and live forever. That was his philosophy. But you know what? He wasn't telling the lie. Because they can live forever in sin. But where will they be? Right. Because they don't, they, don't, for they trouble. don't stop existing. They exist forever. Just but, like we will so, forever. All right, guys. That's a whole topic. Yeah, <laughs> That's a whole topic. <laughs> That's a whole topic. <laughs> so we have to come back here. Yeah. So, all right. We'll save that for another night. We've got a whole lesson coming up. We'll, we'll dig into some of these. But, you know, lawlessness is what he was practicing. And lawlessness is what he's preaching. And Jesus said, you should keep the law because the law is right. Now, we're not saved by the law. We're saved by Jesus. And that's a whole topic too, isn't it? Especially today. But we're going to look at that on another night. We'll see how all of this plays out. But you have to realize that the roots of it is right here in the prophecies of Ezekiel, right here in the practice of Lucifer. What he began in heaven is what he has carried on in this earth. And it will end up at the very end of time with everybody standing before the great judge. Before God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit and all the angels and all beings of all ages, all the people on this planet will one day stand before God and answer to Him. Revelation chapter 20 pictures that scene, and we're going to be looking at that in one of our lessons here in this series. We'll be studying it. So this great controversy between good and evil began right here. The devil was perfect when God made him, but he chose to practice iniquity. The Bible says, by the multitude, this is verse 16, Ezekiel 28, by the multitude of your merchandise, you have filled the midst of thee with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. 
I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. You see, he would be cast out and destroyed. And verse 17 says, Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold thee. So, some people will ask and wonder, for good reason, why did God let this evil creature continue to live? Why didn't God just snuff him out? Just snuff him out right there. And there's a, there's a very wise reason for that. Because the devil, the devil had brought a bunch of lies against the character of God. God's character was misrepresented. We see those lies in the Garden of Eden, and he was telling it to Adam and Eve, to humanity, which he's still telling today. And God knew that killing Satan right there would not solve the problem. Because if God just got rid of him, they'd be like, whoa, wait a second, look what God did to Lucifer. What if Lucifer was right? Then, better be quiet, you'll be next, God's going to take you out. And so the angels would want to serve God just out of fear. Like, okay, yeah, we better do what he says. They want to serve him from fear and not from love. Not from a heart of love. Like, I, I, I want to worship God, right? And God didn't want that. God, want, God is a God of love. He's a God of perfect wisdom. And he wants us to worship him by our free choice. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Whosoever will, let him take and drink of the water of life freely. Revelation 22, 17. Uh, John 3.16, we believe in Him. And so we experience, we experience His blessings by trusting in Him. So God, in perfect wisdom, said this, I'm not going to destroy you right now, but you're not going to be able to live in heaven. You're not going to be able to stay here. You're cast out into the universe. And the devil's like, okay, so I have a chance here. I can get my, my angels together. I can try to rally up my forces. And I'll come back and attack God. That's what he's thinking. And he can do it. And then he comes to this earth. He's like, look at those people over there. God just created them. I can, I can take them out. I can get them. If I can make them sin, then they'll be on my team. And I'll build my, my kingdom right there. So then he goes and he does that. But God says, look, I'm going to let him play out the principles of his kingdom. And all the world will see what the devil is really about. All the universe, in fact, will see what the devil is really about. When they see suffering and pain and sickness and disease and all this kind of stuff, they're going to realize what his kingdom is about. Mm -hmm. Now, God didn't just use that. He said, I'm going to have to do something to show who I really am, what my principles are really about. And he already had a plan because the Bible says in Revelation 13, 8, that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That God already had a plan and knew what he would have to do if ever his creatures chose to go away from him. Because God is not about just serving himself. God is not just about serving ego. God is about serving all of his creatures in love. The Bible says God is love. And so Jesus decided, I will give my life for them. I will go and suffer on the cross. I will lay everything down for humanity. And Jesus came to this world he was born as a baby. He lived here over 30 years on this planet. And then he gave his life for you and for me on Calvary. Selflessness. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not 
perish, but have everlasting life. Would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we have this, this plan of God. God loves us. Not just Jesus, but God the Father. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is love. God loves us. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen my love. You've seen God's love, the Father's love. Right? So God is love. And this plan was to come and give everything, to lay everything down. The Bible mentions that, that Christ had a humiliating death. He was stripped naked. He was put on a cross. He was whipped and beaten. People spit on his face. They mocked him. He, had, he could have just killed them. He could have overpowered them, but he didn't. He's just, okay, I'll just take it. I'll die on the cross for them. You see, Jesus gave everything, even his life, and the Bible says that God will lift him up. Father brings him right back to his rightful place in heaven. He's lifted up. The devil, on the other hand, tried to exalt himself, all about self-glory. And the Bible says God will take him down to the pit. You see? If we are humble having the heart of God, it's a, it's a heart of service. God's principles are, if you're in control, that means you have more responsibility to serve others. You're not just there in control. You're, if you're in charge, you're responsible to serve others. Your position is a position of service. A lot of people in this world have it totally backwards, like Satan. They think, well, if I can get more power, more people will serve me. Uh-uh. That's the wrong way. God says, no, if you have a position of leadership, then you are serving them. Right? And you're responsible for them. And you may have to give your life for them. Because that's what God did for us. That God laid down His life for all of us. And so the Lord, in this controversy and through the cross of Jesus, shows the real character of God versus the real character of Satan. And the cross is the winning argument. You can't get past the cross of Calvary, past Jesus and His love and God's great plan for us. So ultimately, Jesus is coming again. And He is coming to save His people from the evil one. He is coming to destroy the wicked one. The devil... His death sentence has already been signed in the blood of Jesus. His death sentence is already signed. He's in trouble, big time. And he knows that there's no way out of it. And so Jesus is coming. The devil will still try to make war against the Lord. We see it in Revelation throughout the prophecies. But the Lord wins. The Lord wins. And the Bible is inviting us to make a decision. The three angels' messages are inviting us to make a decision Will you serve God or Satan? Will you follow Jesus the Lamb or the dragon in Revelation, the beast and, and all those systems of the world? That is the question. Who do we want to follow tonight? Will we believe the everlasting gospel and receive life from Jesus? That's the first angel's message. Worship the Creator God. Will we worship the Creator and not the creature? If we worship the creature, we're in trouble because we'll become like what we worship. And no human being on this planet is really holy. <laughs> I mean, granted, if we follow Jesus, we'll learn about holiness. We can become more like Christ. We'll start becoming like Him. But no human being is the right model of true holiness. None of us are really there. <laughs> true holiness is in Jesus. He is the perfect one. His character is righteous and holy. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus and follow Him. Worship Him. Worship God. So this is the call tonight. And the question is, who do you want to follow tonight?
Do you want to be on the side of Jesus and follow Him? That's, that's what I want, to be on the side of Jesus and follow Him. In this controversy, tonight, today, choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. Right? There's never a better opportunity than the present to choose Jesus. Is that true? There's never a better opportunity than right now today to choose Jesus because we are in a spiritual warfare right now. The planet, the universe is at war. You probably see it every day in your life. You have attacks and troubles going on. But know that the power of God is there to help us through all of it. And Jesus died to save us. And Jesus is coming again. And the devil is going to get his. He's going to get what's coming to him. And I don't want to be on that side. I want to be with Jesus. <laughs> so tonight, why don't we pray that we can be on the side of Jesus? Does that sound good? Let's pray to be on the side of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your wonderful love. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for Jesus who gave his life on Calvary for all of us. Lord, truly you are love. You have come to serve us. And we want to serve you, Lord, by choice, by free choice. We want to give our lives to you tonight and follow you because your ways are good. Your ways are perfect. Your ways are holy. We have seen the devil's ways and we don't want any part of it. And we just pray that we can have that true life forever with Jesus, our Savior, because He has purchased that life for us. And Jesus wants to cover us with His righteousness, Lord. So we just pray for that experience in Christ. May you bless us all here tonight and guide us in your will each day. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So next week, next time, we are going to be looking at Worship the Creator. Daniel 3, we're going to be comparing some things in Revelation 13 and 14 and Daniel chapter 3, and we will be looking at this call to worship the Creator, and you might be surprised at some of the counterfeits that are out there that the devil has designed to pull us away from the Creator, so we're going to look at that next time.